This is a Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu slash library. I'd like to introduce the current spokespog for my business, Ain't No Creek's Mariah Namid. It was her predecessors 20 years ago next month that led me on an amazing path along a wonderful and illuminated map of the universe. I'd like to share the journey by beginning with a favorite quote from The Hunting of the Snark by Lewis Carroll. He had bought a large map representing the sea without the least vestige of land, and the crew was much pleased when they found it to be a map they could all understand. I love the message in those lines that we're all looking for that map we understand. You're here in the library today, but can you map how you got here? I can, both in the physical terms and in the terms of experience. I'm here in large part because of an encounter with this rather unique creature, the hedgehog. I tell people that my connection to hedgehogs was always there. I just didn't know it. My nickname is Spike, a common hedgehog name. My husband and I were married on Hedgehog Day, or more accurately, Hedgehog Evening, February 2nd, when I thought in error that it was Groundhog Day. But as it turns out, hedgehogs have been the weather predictors for more than 2,000 years before the furry rodents stole it. And much like a hedgehog, it is hard for me to hide my feelings. I have no poker face. If my spines are up, people know, and if they're down, they know. You can tell my mood by their angle. But it wasn't until I had to write a document called Who Am I in May for class I was taking that I realized it was my hedgehogs that led me to a map I understand and feel comfortable navigating. Prior to their entry into my life, in 1992, the only constant in my life was change. I changed friends on a regular basis, both because I was termed weird and because I outgrew my friends. I changed majors in college five times before emerging with a degree in geography, which was, of course, all about maps. I changed jobs and careers just as often to find my place, trying to reconcile the unique identity I was born with and my own personal geography. So I need to talk a little bit here about personal geographies, what you'd learn about if you took my cultural geography course. Personal geographies form maps. Maps are the main tool of geographers, and we can explore maps not only of the earth, but of our own personal experiences. We can map our travels, but we can also map our physical self. For example, we can create a map of pain. The outline of the map is our body rather than the continent or country, but it's still a map. And maps themselves have no particular vocabulary, no precise meaning. They communicate in lines and hues, tones, coded symbols, and even empty spaces like music. And a map doesn't have its own voice. It recites a collection of knowledge, but it doesn't provide any ready answers. It only suggests where you look, and it's open to interpretation. So you orient yourself, you begin here, you end there. Along the way, you might discover a relationship. It's up to you. It's just like life. When we are born, the map of our personal geography has already been drafted. The beginning outlines are in place. We are born in a particular place to particular parents. The color of our skin, eyes, and hair form the first boundaries on our map, the part of us that others notice first. 
Our language and religion, food preferences and beliefs begin to color and define those shapes. My own map began innocently enough. I was born blonde with cross blue eyes into a family of overachievers on the south side of Chicago. My grandparents were immigrants from Poland and Lithuania. So some of that culture colored my personal geography as well. Our families try to modify our map to suit their own geographies. And sometimes there are clashes at our borders and some pretty serious boundary wars. My boundary wars started early. One ongoing war was my sense of time. I didn't have one. I could leave a friend's house two blocks from home and take two hours to get there because I was distracted by a store window or an interesting plant or animal in the prairie on the corner. It was a lot like the path of a hedgehog, a zigzag of curiosity. Watches didn't help. They usually stopped after I wore them for a day or two. So the series of minor skirmishes with my mom meant that my geography included a lot of time in my room, sometimes grounded for being late once more, but just as often because I was sick all the time. I even had chicken pox twice. The boundary wars with my dad were much more serious, and the most significant of those were over career. I eventually got over the dating wars, but not the job wars. I loved art, and like my dad, I was good at it. I started classes at the Park District, and by the time I was 12, was taking the train downtown for classes at the Art Institute. But in those days, before the mantra, do what you love and the money will follow, arrived on the scene, I constantly heard a much different mantra from my dad, but you can't make a living at it. That was one of the first tears in my map, some big, some small. I heard that mantra about most things I was interested in or good at, and my map developed splits, where I folded it, and tape the tears trying to fit in. My dad was not making a living at what he loved. He was doing it as a side job. So he projected his map onto my own. I spent more than four decades trying to please him. Yet my map is filled and always has been with animals and plants, largely because of my dad. The first animal and most prominent for most of my life was not the hedgehog, but the horse. Early photographs of me usually included a stuffed horse, and about the time I started school, I started riding lessons out here in Payless thanks to my dad. Horses were my first passion, and I thought for a long time they might become part of my work as well. In 1976, I left spring quarter of graduate school early to ride my horses. I had two by that time across the U.S. as part of the Great American Horse Race, the longest horse race in history. I started the race in Herkimer, New York on Memorial Day, and by the 4th of July had reached Hannibal, Missouri, and also the end of my funds. So I returned home, sold my horses, and temporarily returned to grad school at Northwestern. Because everyone knows you can't make a living with horses. I was working at my PhD by that time and hoped to find a dissertation topic while on that race. But instead, what I found was I was once more in the wrong place. I had chosen the wrong map. Northwestern and I were not a good fit. I couldn't find my way around the map. I fled. I needed to make that living that my dad kept talking about. I'd not yet find the, wrong, the right animal guide. So in my search for a better map, I encountered a wonderful career counselor here at Moraine who helped me put together a map that held together for the next six years. I decided I wanted to work for the Environmental Protection Agency, and that is exactly what I did. The map became rich. I got to travel. I got to teach. I was doing something good about the environment, another of my interests, 
And I was actually making a good living doing something I liked until my map was torn again. I was engaged to my college sweetheart, and when President Reagan slashed the funds for the program I was working on, I thought it was going to be okay because I was just going to move and get married, and I'd find a job somewhere else. But instead, the huge map, uh, the huge rip in that map grew when Kurt and I broke our engagement and I was left stranded. So I sought a repaired map in the realm of computers and hid out there for the next segment of my life, writing code and training clients. It was during that time that I met and married my husband, Bob. Bob also had a horse, very good for my map. And then in 1992, in a livestock publication, I read an article which basically said, raise hedgehogs to save your farm. I'd always sold arts and crafts to fund my horse addiction, but this new scheme seemed easier. I spent three months doing research before acquiring my first six hedgehogs. I was hooked. I just didn't realize it yet, but I had found the best map in the world for me. Even though my veterinarian at that time echoed my father's words with, you'll never make money at it because you love your animals too much. Mike was right in a way. I didn't make money breeding and selling hedgehogs, but I did make money from the auxiliary business I started selling hedgehog supplies and giftware. This was wonderful. I was beginning to do lots of things I loved. I soon started a hedgehog newsletter and in September 1995 produced my first Go Hog Wild event, which drew people from across the U.S. and Canada. My parents had come to help. It was the next day that I finally got that approval from Dad that I had been seeking for four decades. My dad called to say how proud he was of me and what I had accomplished. I had finally done something right according to his map, and it involved hedgehogs. I pulled out my map and patched it up with tape full of smiley faces and more hedgehogs. By 1996, I had a contract to write a book about hedgehog care and invitations to teach about not only hedgehogs but creativity. This patched a tear in my map that had happened way back in high school. I used to write a lot, mostly fiction based on my dreams. But I made the mistake of showing my writing to a tiny group of my friends, and they declared me too weird and deserted me. So I quit writing for pleasure, and I quit dreaming. Now the successful book led to a part-time gig as a freelance writer. Those 500-word essays you have to write here in college become a lot more palatable when you're getting 55 cents a word and up to $50 each for photographs. Color was reappearing on my map where it had been bleached away so many years before. Not only did the writing return, but art as well. Now I was designing and contracting for the design of gift items featuring hedgehogs and other pocket pets. I had a line of t-shirts, I had greeting cards, bookmarks, jewelry, and more. And the day I went in to resign my computer analyst job, it turned out my boss was going to lay me off for lack of work. So the timing was perfect. And my map not only remained intact, but it became more intricate. I developed a hedgehog agility program, IHOG, the International Hedgehog Olympic Gymboree, and I trained as a hedgehog show judge. My book and IHOG led to appearances on radio and TV in the U.S. and the United Kingdom. My quilt friends and I even qualified to compete on pet stars. IHOG also taught me more than I ever wanted to know about trademarks. More importantly, I cannot talk about my hedgehog-designed map without talking about my friends. My mom is prominent among them. 
1996, after the death of my father, she joined me as a partner in the hedgehog business, Ain't No Creek Ranch. We were friends and partners, and one of the best things is we began to travel together. She helped my map expand to include five of the seven continents, and she remains my favorite travel buddy. Through hedgehogs, I met my best friend, Vera. She's a friend I will never outgrow, and just as weird as me. I also met the beanies. The beanies are named after a very Buddha-like hedgehog, Beanie. Carol started the group, and Jennifer, who you'll soon be able to see on Nat Geo Wild with her own hedgehogs, is the one who invited me in. Kathleen might be recognized by some of my students here because she guests in some of my classes as a speaker on Norwegian culture. Judy created the artwork of the Hedgehog in the Globe, and Vicki, who shares my love for horses, gave me the hedgehog earrings I'm wearing today. Less directly, my hedgehog led me to my friend Renee, the last of the women, wild women up here. Renee and I met in an animal communication class, and we've been great friends ever since. Renee is one of those people who can make you laugh about anything, even poop on the kitchen floor, and that is a truly great gift. And the topic of animal communication leads me to more entries on my map. In 2002, drummer, tremors began to shake my physical geography. I contracted West Nile disease. The school where I'd been teaching computer applications closed. And even as Business 2.0 was singing my praises and telling people to go hog wild, my two best-selling wholesale products got knocked off by pet industry giants and our sales plummeted. I showed up here at Moraine to apply for a computer applications adjunct position and ended up instead applying for one teaching geography and I got it. I began teaching here at Moraine in the spring of 2003 and teaching geography, one of my early loves, gave me that excuse to study anything and everything. I loved it. I've loved travel and maps my entire life. I was fortunate that my personal geography included parents who liked to travel. It took me and my three siblings to most of the western United States. I was reading highway maps almost as soon as I could read. And the parts of my map that were begun in those days led to my eventual major in geography and my work as a cartographer or map maker for my last two years of college. But I digress. During that period of illness and rapid life change in 2002, my hedgehogs began leading me in another direction. At a hedgehog event, I met animal communicator Carol Schultz and began taking classes with her. I found I was good at it, continued to train, and by 2005 was working professionally as a modern-day Dr. Doolittle. My map was beginning to feel more complete, even as Hugh Warwick was making fun of me for three entire pages in his book, The Hedgehog's Dilemma, and of my IHOG event for an entire chapter. But my work with animals uh, led me to pursue then my degree in holistic health because my clients wanted me to know more. That training led me into sound healing as part of my studies. I had lost my voice in high school when I was told I was tone deaf. I found it once more, and I not only used my voice, but I began making instruments, hand drums and rattles, which became the canvas for my art. I continued to travel. 
assisting with the rescue of almost 700 hedgehogs in 2009, helped me to find my dissertation topic, developing a protocol for the holistic treatment of post-traumatic stress syndrome in shelter animals. And I still have hedgehogs, five at the moment, who share my life. My love for fiction continues as I craft stories of their exploits. Huxley, after all, is the current shuttle pilot for the North American hedgehog community, and I am a royal supporter of the hedgehog monarchy. Even my dog Roxy is involved. She ended up as a guard for a recent hedgehog mob wedding, as you can see in Cindy's picture. My map is bright and full and ever-changing, and the richness is due in large part to my chance or perhaps karmic meeting with hedgehogs. I'm doing what I love in many ways, and while not wealthy in monetary terms, my life is rich and very abundant. My husband has managed to navigate the changing topography of my map to become one of my biggest cheerleaders. And I owe much to my prickly little friends for allowing my identity and geography to finally merge. Having now recognized that merge, I'd like to leave you today with one of my very favorite quotes from Mark Twain. Twenty years from now, you will be more disappointed by what you didn't do than by what you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from that safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, and explore, dream, and discover. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu library.